Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. Podcast providing us in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Judd to join Andrew as we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, Aaron, um, what happened recently with wrestling? It's something that you were uh, kind of excited about. You might have been there. Uh, can you, can I, you I talk might have, about you know, it a little I might, bit? I might uh, have a T-shirt that says I was there, um, which I did not get off eBay. But no, Sam Punk returned. Uh, absolutely amazing. I went there with a couple of friends, uh, one of which actually drove um, six hours to go to the event, which I think says something because this the uh, the United Center sold out on the basis of a very substantial rumor. Not you know not even a like we're telling you someone's going to be there without even really telling you, and they sold out that place. I mean it was packed to the rafters. I looked up, I took pictures, I was just in awe of how many people were there. I think uh, United Center holds like 40,000, I want to say, um, on the rumor that CM Punk is going to be there. And CM Punk actually, you know, he was there opening segment for Rampage. Now, the show actually started at 7 o'clock, and Rampage didn't start until 9. So for two hours, we're watching squash matches, uh, you know, a couple of decent ones, and we're just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And then Rampage hits, people are chained CM Punk, and then, you know, Cult of Personality hits, and I was a friend of the show, Travis. We were sitting there like, is it, is it, is it? Like we were waiting for the swerve, you know, like the WWE thing, you know, the, the, it's not going to be him. It'll be MJF or it's going to be Daniel Bryan or, you know, maybe somebody else. And he came out and then, it, you know, we got loud. It was like, oh, it's actually him. And I mean, even right now, just talking about it, like, no joke, I'm getting goosebumps. Like, that's how amazing it was. Is that so, the loudest uh, pop you've ever heard at an event? So. I'm going to actually say no, and it's going to be kind of surprising. I don't know if it's because where we're sitting, we couldn't get floor seats. We really tried to, but three seats and on the floor, it just wasn't available. So we were we're in the uh, the uh, lower bowl, um, unfortunately. The loudest I've ever heard was actually uh, with Roger. Uh, Elias. Elias. When Elias said it doesn't make sense. It's like a basketball team in Seattle. Because, Roger, I mean, you remember, right? Like, I couldn't hear you. You couldn't hear me. Like, it was a constant like boo now that's the difference right that was a boo the boo was super loud cm punk's chants were were just as loud probably but that was a very different you know it wasn't a visceral it's like people were excited and they were just screaming and like the boos though were insane though for elias that was the loudest boos i've ever heard cm punk's was the loudest um like excitement i had heard the one question i have and uh, i actually waited to ask you about this now i obviously i wish that you would have been able to go so you could have done the comparison but in 20 2011 you were there when punk won uh the money in the bank ladder ma- not the ladder match but at money in the bank he wants to tell from john cena what was that reaction like because i i actually went back and watched it and it was super loud like did you feel like that was the loudest like pop you've heard or i think that's the loudest pop i have heard live um, and I was even thinking about it and I had to listen to a couple of CM Punk's interviews after his debut and everything like that. And that was one of the questions that did get pulled up to because everybody is comparing this moment to when he won the title at, uh, uh, 
Yeah, he Money. won that. Did he retain or won? He won the title. At Money. He won the title. That's right. So he won the title there at Money in the Bank. So it, I'd, I'd have to say that this is going to be louder, mostly because, one, United Center holds more. Two, there were still plenty of John Cena fans at the arena and people cheering for John Cena. Um, so while it was still loud, it's not going to be the same number of people. So I think that the debut of Punk had to be a bigger pop than at Money in the Bank. Yeah, I mean, it was it was incredibly loud. It was noticeably loud, and the hearing it obviously on uh, video. I mean, you could you could hear. I mean, you could feel that, which was pretty crazy. Um, um, the only actually, reason I brought up Elias, you bring that up, Aaron. I actually had my surround sound on. I had to turn it off. <laughs> and I did not have it up that loud. It was just loud enough, but it was so loud in the house. I had to turn it off and I had to put my TV down to six. And it's just, so and it's usually at 10, you know, <laughs> overnight. So, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was, uh, so yeah, complete. I completely agree what we heard. If you heard, if you heard it had surround sound or if you had a good sound system, that's exactly, uh, I guess what you're, you're saying is that's exactly what it sounds yeah. like. Um, just real quick, I want to correct myself. I said 40,000. Sorry, it says I pulled up Wikipedia. It says that United Center holds 20,000. So um, roughly um, 20,000. So uh, just a quick correction there. Roger, obviously you were watching it. What did you think? I mean, you, when you saw this, like what was your reaction to it? Uh, it felt like the attitude era. Like the, the the crowd engagement, the hype, you know, Money in the Bank 2011 also has that type of moment. But with the way the crowd was ready for Punk House, yeah, and look, th- there are very few moments that you say, you know, I know exactly where I was when this happened. And this is one of those moments. I watched it three times. The pop was goosebumps. It was chills to finally see him because I was, you know, look, I've been so burned by WWE. I was expecting the uh, cult of personality hits. MJF walks out huge boos or, you know. Uh, we never said he was, you know, he's just, it, and mm-hmm. look, we've heard CM Punk rumors for seven years at this point. He's going to be at this one. He's coming back. I think you've called CM Punk returning literally a dozen times. So the idea of him actually coming back seemed like I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I saw it. It was great. I loved it. I think it's the best opening segment I've ever seen in wrestling history. This is probably the second loudest pop that I've ever heard. Like the only other one that I think is still louder is the night Foley won the title and Austin's music hit. Like that to me is the gold standard for pops because it just sounds the way Elias, when he made that crack about the Sonics and it just sounds deafening. That's that pop to me. Like where you're just like, I don't think you could hear the person next to you. Punk is right there. Fantastic moment. Like this company is only two years old and they've got probably got a top five wrestling moment already for me. Like that's, that's money. Doug, do you think that for AEW, you know, they've had, obviously, as Roger said, they're two years old, you know, is this their biggest moment, would you say, in AEW's history? So far, yes. Um, I mean, there's always going to be those big moments where you have a lot of firsts and everything like that, where your first pay-per-view, the first all-in, or the first, uh, the crowning of the championship, or, or the first time we did this, or the first time we did that. But this is them stepping into mainstream even even that much more because you saw the, the headlines on ESPN. You saw the headlines on Sports Illustrated. You heard about CM Punk coming out on uh, broadcast. I mean, even at the, the Chicago Bears uh, preseason game, uh, one of the announcers even said, 
wow, it's nice hearing a crowd like this. We probably won't hear a crowd this loud till next Friday, where he even spoiled CM Punk's return. It was just one of those things that we're, we're hearing this at an NFL game. You know, probably a lot of people didn't know what he was referencing to, you know, except for the, the, the few. But it's, it's one of those things that this is, I think, the most mainstream thing that they have done so far. So uh, becoming that big company that this is truly the, I don't want to say first step, but one of the biggest steps that they have taken to kind of close that gap between making them the number one wrestling in North America. Mm. Roger, I want to go back to you for this question specifically. There's rumors of Daniel Bryan, maybe even appearing at all out in Chicago. Would that be a good idea or would you rather have them have an event in Seattle? Like if let's say there was a, I don't know, at, at Key Arena in Seattle, if they announced, hey, guess what? In a month from now, we're going to be there for Rampage. Do you think that that would sell out? And if it, I mean, would you like work as hard as you can to go to that event? Not knowing Daniel Bryan will be there, but like with a rumor that he could be there. Um, so I think there's certainly no question that I would work as hard as I can to make sure I can get there. But I don't think they should wait. You strike while the iron is hot. You have the momentum. You have entered the mainstream consciousness. For the first time since AEW has started, they didn't just sign a castaway. You know, and I love John Moxley, but ultimately he was not ever at the level of a John Cena or an Edge or Roman. CM Punk was that guy in the WWE. He was a champion for a full year. No, he never main evented WrestleMania, but he did everything else. He's fought Lesnar. He's fought the top. He's beaten Cena. He's beaten Roman. He's beaten a lot of people. He has been treated like a star, and he willingly came to AEW. This wasn't a guy who was just kicked to the curb. He walked out of WWE. So if Daniel Bryan walks over, same type of thing, a guy who main evented WrestleMania this year, you have the chance to debut him at All Out, you debut him at All Out. There are so many reasons to keep watching AEW. You don't need to wait. If if I see a card with Cole and Bryan or Wyatt and all those big names and Punk and all the people they already have, we're going to be going to Seattle. You don't need to save Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, whatever you want to call him. Do it as soon as you can. Keep that momentum going. Give yourself a chance, especially while WWE is so stagnant right now. Continue that momentum and continue to show people why they should be watching on Wednesdays and Fridays. Now you brought up a really interesting name, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, I want to say his name is. Uh, you know, he'll come up with some clever name, I'm sure. Andy, I know that you like the Fiend character. You like Bray Wyatt. Is do you think him if Bray Wyatt does go to AEW, would you want him to go as kind of a mystical uh, character? Do you want him to go as a wrestler? Do you want a Husky Harris? I mean, what would you like to see if Bray Wyatt shows up in AEW? Well, I would like to see Husky Harris because it would just be funny. Um, but no, I actually I mean, I don't want to see I don't want to see him in AEW. I actually think that he should st- he should go to either Impact well, actually, probably Impact's probably the best place for him, and and the reason why I think that is, he could he's automatic, the guy, if he goes there, and I think that they can then have him go to AEW for appearance, but still stay on Impact, and uh, I also believe that's what they're going to do with Cole. I don't think Cole's going to AEW directly. I think he's going to be with Impact first, and then go from there. I know it's a weird thing to say, but I, I just got a weird feeling. Uh, Doug, what do you think about that? So going back to Aaron's question to Roger about whether they should hold off or not, 
I kind of think that they need to hold off just a little bit. Um, I don't think All Out would be the perfect time to debut anybody else new. Uh, I'd wait for at least the Dynamite or Rampage after All Out to introduce somebody. Let All Out be its own thing. It's already big enough, hyped enough. You're already going to get a bunch of, of people seen there or anything like that. Uh, but kind of keep it to a maybe once a month debut somebody. Uh, and when I say that, I mean like Daniel Bryan or um, Bray Wyatt, a big, big names, or, like, or Adam Cole. Now, if you're going to get some other people from WWE that have recently been released, sure, you can throw them in there and be a, a big debut for them for their or whatever. Um, but I would love to see Adam Cole in AEW. I want to see... I wouldn't be so concerned if Bray Wyatt went to Impact. Uh, I believe there's also a rumor out there that Braun Strowman is already said no to AEW and probably going to Impact, uh, which would be interesting. But I, I think ultimately seeing Bray Wyatt in in AEW and a kind of a storyline with the Dark Order, but not letting him be the leader of the Dark Order uh, would be very, very enticing right now. And whether it is a Forbidden Door thing where he, you know, does a little stint in AEW, then goes over to Impact, and then maybe New Japan, uh, which is what I kind of feel like Daniel Bryan's going to do, is he'll be here, he'll be there, he'll be everywhere, because that's kind of what he wants to do. He wants to go over to Japan for a little bit. He does want to participate in... I thought it was funny when CM Punk mentioned the G1 Classic. Um, so so that'll be interesting. Um, but everything that we were, and all the hype that we were for the Forbidden Door early in the year, and how excited we were at the start of the year, got down on of it, and now we're back to this level of everything that AEW could, you know, all these potential people that could go to AEW and make it that much better. Uh, I, I think would actually be better improved on if they went to an impact. And I'm with Doug on that point. I don't want to see Bray Wyatt or Braun Strowman in AEW. I'm fine with them doing a little crossover. You know, that's why I like the forbidden door. But to me, someone like Bray Wyatt is the guy over an impact. He gets more creative freedom. You don't have to worry about how he matches up with the already extremely stacked roster. And I don't really think he's a great fit for AEW. I like him in impact. I like him being able to just be that supernatural character. Let him be spooky. Let him be booked like a dominant guy who very rarely loses. No problem with that. Braun Strowman, same thing. Have him come in, be that kind of top guy who doesn't lose all that often, be a big powerhouse get eyes on him but he doesn't belong in AEW. adam cole yeah i don't know what's wrong with you andy he fits in AEW like a glove <laughs> like he is the perfect fit if you want to bring back ghosts this is the guy to do it adam cole versus all of the people on that roster is salivating like you, if there's one person you make room for it is adam cole no questions asked i'll cut a lot of people at the bottom of that card but brian daniel adam cole this is the first time in a long time because when TNA was great in 2004, 2005, they never gave you the feeling that they were ever going to catch WWE. They always felt like a, a Ring of Honor 2.0. AEW feels like much more like when WCW was hot. Like this could be the better promotion. They have a legitimate network. They have legitimate fan base. They have real crossover appeal with guys like CM Punk, with a guy like Daniel Bryan. I, 
I'm not saying WWE is going to fade because they're always going to be like Disney or the NFL, but you might have a one and two as opposed to a very clear one and then a secondary two, and that's better for everyone. And I want Impact to grow. I want Ring of Honor to grow. I want NJPW to grow. More companies is better for wrestling overall than just having one and then everybody else is secondary. Now, when you say you'll cut people from the bottom of the card, would that include Marco Stunt? Well, no, you said the bottom of the card. He's, oh, okay. you know, as the, as the front runner for the male wrestler of the year in 2021, Marco Stunt is safe. Like, he is absolutely secure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, and the truth is, look, there are a lot of guys who I think are talented who I have no problem with. But if the question was, do I keep Adam Cole or do I keep Dustin Reynolds or QT Marshall or, I don't know, go down the list of people. We've talked about them before, guys you would chop off, Luther and some of the other guys. Eh. And look, I, look, I like Chris Jericho. I have no problem with him retiring and making a spot for a guy like Adam Cole. Win-win. I, I love Jericho. I've seen so much of his career. I don't feel robbed the way I did when Sean retired in 98. Look, if Jericho calls it a career and hangs him up, no problem at all. Make way for the new heel. Let him be a talker. I have no issues at all. All right, I'll take that back because I did forget about Jericho. He did. He's stuck in the commentary booth. So yeah, I, I compl- So I will agree with you in that case. Um, but yeah, it, it's still. But like, just look when you look at this as well. If WWE was going to get smart, they would want to <laughs> have people basically allow some guys to go and be on Impact. That's a, a mid card or to be a main event banner there. You know, like look at Christian Cage of all people. I mean. He's the best example of it. Impact, he's the guy when he was there. And then he's now not the guy, but he is, but he's a champion. So, Andy, um, what did you say to start start that statement again? Could you repeat that? If WWE was what? Smart. So you already know the answer to that question. I do. <laughs> I already do know the answer. But, but if they were smart, <laughs> um, there's a few things they could do to actually make it worth their while. But... Yeah, I actually don't disagree with that, um, with what you said there, with them loaning talent to uh, another promotion. And I'm obviously, look, they're not going to work with AEW. AEW is their competition, plain and simple, even if they won't acknowledge it. But you have and in the same way, like they wouldn't acknowledge impact. They acknowledge it. Ring of Honor. They were acknowledging NJPW like to an extent, obviously. Right. Um, but they refuse to mention impact for the longest time. And now they're they're not going to mention AEW. They're just like it is. A, it's a no go for them. I agree with your statement there, Andy, because you know what? Like it's very simple. They go to an Impact or a Ring of Honor or somebody else, and they say like, "Look, our guy will be on there, but you can't make him look stupid." Like plain and simple. Like, look, he has to win. Like he'll show up, and you have he has to win. And you can co- come up with a month long program if you want, loan the talent out there, make them look good. And it would create a buzz like that's the thing that I think that WWE misses right now that uh, AEW has. And to Roger's point where he had said that, you know, you're seeing him on SportsCenter. It's, you know, trending everywhere on Twitter when you have people asking who is CM Punk and what did he do? What is the deal with these ice cream bars? Which, by the way, were absolutely really, really good. Uh, Doug, we will get them uh, this coming week. They're awesome. Uh, it would create a buzz. And like, yeah, you can loan a lesser talent out there if you had a Titus O'Neil, let's say, like. You know, like, hey, Titus O'Neil just appeared on Impact. Like, uh, isn't he under contract with WWE? Like, what is this? Like, what what are they doing here? You know, could we see a situation where WWE wrestler wrestles an AEW wrestler on Impact, which obviously wouldn't happen, but like that could be a question that would come up and would help WWE out, I think. You know, even if they're trying to sell like the company, I think it would be a good thing for them. All right. So yeah, uh, you know, I brought up Chris Cage earlier. He did beat uh Kenny Omega for the Impact title. So he is still your uh, AEW champion. Uh, but, yeah, uh, 
Doug, what do you think about the match? Interesting. Um, a little curious why they decided to pull the trigger now. Um, I have no problem with Christian Cage being the champion. He's already been the TNA or was it Impact at that time? It was TNA champion, yeah. And I so, think he may have been NWA as well because it was a long time ago. Correct. Right, it, it was a while ago. And it, it was just... it. I think it feels better to have him over there a little bit because, like we talked about earlier, it's getting a little crowded in AEW, and and why not uh, have somebody else go over there and represent him? And why not have somebody that's already been over there and and done the job and uh, promoted the the company? So having Christian Cage over there for a while I think is a good idea. Um, I am a little bit more concerned now about Kenny's health uh, after watching the match, because he took that chair shot, it looked like a really, really hard. Um, but Kenny has been running everywhere. I mean, because he also had to defend the AAA title then that weekend against Andrade uh, and successfully defended it. Um, so he's probably getting worn out too. So I'm not surprised at it, but at the same time, uh, having your championship. Uh, I guess switch hands at a uh, another rivals uh, show is, is is very very interesting. So I mean, it, it helps in the aspect of keeping things, uh, I guess, open. I, I I don't know what the best word to describe it is. Is just the the element of surprise is there because anything can happen at any show. Then, so having having that be done, cool, but. I'd also like the idea of, of the crossover just a little bit more, and it seems like Christian has been strictly impact ever since he's won that. I mean, when Christian first came over, I said that I wanted him kind of to be an impact guy. I, I thought he was a better representative for the brand. And, you know, compare um, the Omega-Rich Schwann match, which to me was a 0% chance of Omega losing to Omega versus Christian, which I thought was a really good match. I, I enjoyed it. Probably my only criticism of this was that I just thought that, and it's a minor criticism, but I believe that if you were going to have Omega suffer a defeat, because he's basically been unstoppable since beating Moxley, I would have thought Paige was the guy to get that win. Um, I don't, you know, look, the moment will still be cool. I just feel like it's a bit odd that he beat him kind of straight up going into All Out, which, okay, that's fine. They're doing a rematch. and. I don't love rematches. Like to me, I like the fact that Christian versus Omega would have been a first time thing at all out. Now it's just a secondary match and, you know, so be it not that big of a deal. But yeah, when, when inevitably page comes back, it's no longer hangman page versus the unstoppable Kenny Omega. It's more so can hangman page finally win the big one. And that's a fine story. It's not bad. It'll still be compelling. The moment he hits the buckshot or kicks out of the one wing angel, so be it. But I am a little bit surprised that the guy to be the no one who knocked Omega off of his perch wasn't Hangman Page. Now, I know there were some maternity leaves. I think Page hasn't been around for a while. He'll probably come back to a huge pop. So that was a bit surprising. Um, I like Christian staying on impact for the majority of the time because AW's roster is very, very crowded. So having Christian be the guy who leads impact, I would love to see a Christian cage versus Bray Wyatt feud and impact. I think that could be very interesting, especially if we got more Firefly Funhouse type things because impact, I believe is taped. I want to say it's something where they have a little bit more creative freedom. Great. Uh, there's a lot of guys who I would love to see do more crossover Miro. I would love to see Miro on impact, just wrecking guys in that lower card because while TNA has some talent, 
impact, they their star power is very, very lacking. So that's the type of show where you can send guys like Miro, guys like Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, all those guys to kind of go eat some wins over there. No problem with that whatsoever. But I don't know that necessarily – I think the belt collector gimmick needs to start winding down. Is I guess is what I'm saying here, but keep the crossover like Doug said. Let them continue to work together in the future. Yeah, so um, let's let's talk about uh, WWE. Uh, yay! Um, so it was SummerSlam. Probably the biggest thing that happened was Becky Lynch, the man, returned. So um, I'm kind of confused. So how did uh, Becky get into the match, Roger? So I believe um, Sasha Banks was, I don't know what the reason for that is yet, but she was unable to compete. And then Carmella was named as the replacement. So Carmella comes out to, you know, thunderous, no one cares, apathy. Um, And then Becky Lynch's music hits. Becky takes out Carmella. Very similar kind of like what happened in the Rumble. It wasn't Carmella at the time, but it's the same type of thing, right? Becky comes out. She takes the spot. All great. At this point, I have no problem with it. You know, cool idea. Um, you're going to get a surprise. Becky Lynch versus Bianca. This will be a really fun match. You know, you got two top-tier superstars. Uh, you know, is the man still the man? Is Bianca really established herself? And then 27 seconds later, I believe we had a new women's champion. If you wrote a book on how to kill a division in one night, you could just look at SummerSlam 2021 and say that is how you kill your women's division. Those, the two moves, we'll talk about Raw later, but having Becky come back after a year and a half and winning with a forearm and a, her pump handle slam and Charlotte winning for the umpteenth time. Yep. That is, um, yep. Yeah, I, uh, while watching this live, Carmella came out and you could hear the, you know, apathy in the room and you know from the the crowd and they were just like uh all right and then she came out and it, then you hear whoa and it was like oh, oh wait that's Becky Lynch what Becky Lynch is coming out and it was just kind of a little awkward like she came out and she like smashed Carmella and like if i was booking this i would have like if the idea is like hey we were trying to turn Becky heel like i kind of understand you know you're trying to it doesn't mean that's going to happen the thing is, though, what I would have probably done is I would have had um, Bianca defeat Carmella in, you know, 30 seconds. Like, just a, a complete, like, absolute demolishment of Carmella. And then that way, she's like, yeah, you see, like, look, I, I own this division because she is the best, the greatest, the fastest, you know? Like, she's the EST. And so she can be, you know, arrogant, or, you know, she can be really um, full of herself. And then you hear Becky Lynch's music. Saying, like, no one can beat me. And then Becky Lynch comes out, and she's like, maybe I can. And then Becky Lynch beats her, you know? And, like, maybe it's a roll-up, you know? It's nothing, like, definitive. A, like, pump handle slam, like, pin. Like, what? Like, that's how you're going to win? Like, that, that to me, like, you literally, like you said, Roger, you killed that division. Like, that was the start of the of the death. And, and you're going to keep it going, like, with Charlotte's win? I was flabbergasted at how terrible, how terrible this was booked. I, it was, um... It was awe-inspiring to me, just how bad this was. Because Becky Lynch came back, who was your top women's star when she left. And she comes back, she's supposed to come back to a, like, hey, I'm the best. And, like, you should be happy that I'm back. And then people are, like, kind of apathetic about it. It's, like, what are you doing here? I, I literally have no idea. I, I am I am beyond flabbergasted when it comes to this. 
yeah, realistically, what was what's what was the point of you know like realistically, SummerSlam was I think a a middle finger to us when you look at it because if if you look at previous shows that they put on, there hasn't been a really really good one, and this, I mean, everything about it, I was like, huh, and I that I questioned so. Yeah, so so Doug, what'd you think about it? Um, if there wasn't a more obvious thing going on in WWE where you have to be a part of the four horsewomen to be a title holder or a legit title holder, <laughs> uh, there, there, this solved it because you got Charlotte back on top again, and now you got Becky Lynch just. Every everything that Bianca had going for her, that that special moment at WrestleMania, uh, all the buildup that you've had for her, and she hasn't really had too great of a a title run. I mean, and that's again not nothing on Bianca, just due to the fact that you, you got to have a good dancing partner to to have a good feud, and and Sasha was a good feud to start off with, and then Bailey's <sighs> Bailey's feud with her kind of just fizzled. Um, and got long-winded, I think. And then, other than that, it's she's already fought Carmella like what for the last six, seven weeks in a row. So when I got, when I heard that Carmella was coming out, it's like, ah, oh, great, whatever. But you know, it. I, I just got to think that this is a a the best attempt that WWE can have. Though they had to have Becky come back because of CM Punk. They had to have other returns come back because of CM Punk because they needed to get their names in headlines also. But it just it still goes back to show how, how big of a moment CM Punk's debut was because that even still uh, put an overcast on Summer, uh, SummerSlam weekend. And if that's supposed to be your second biggest show of the year, that says something. Yeah, so uh, should we even talk about the main event? No. I mean, no one I mean, else we can. I don't know why we need to start. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it goes back into that essence, though, of still the CM Punk thing. So you had to have somebody return. And who was that person that returned, Andy? Uh, Shane Helms. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Lesnar. Lesnar um, with a, uh, I mean, a, a, a great that, that was haircut. Lesnar. I just thought that was Garrett Wolf on uh, steroids. <laughs> I thought he was the return was Garrett Wolf. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Part of, no. uh, so uh, Brock Lesnar returned, right? Which was kind of a, 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 sh- a shocker. Apparently, uh, at the end of every Roman Reigns match, you have somebody new come out. Um, from what I had heard, after he beats Lesnar, Rock's coming out after the next pay-per-view. After he beats Rock, then Hogan comes out after he beats Hogan. And then the final boss, Chris Benoit, comes out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um if you want to make the comparison between WWE and AEW, just look at their returns. You've got, on the one hand, CM Punk, a guy we haven't seen in seven years, legitimately moving the needle, right? ESPN is talking about this. The mainstream is talking about this. As Doug mentioned, NFL broadcast, the most popular sport in America, is mentioning how we're not going to hear a chair like that until Friday. And then WWE, you get Brock Lesnar. I like Brock Lesnar. Doug and I are noted fans. We have no issues with Lesnar. When you get to see him, it's great. You only see him four to five times a year, and maybe he shows up on Raw. But it is fun to see his matches. The problem is that Brock Lesnar versus Roman isn't one of those matches I need to see. I have seen that match time and time and time again. I saw it at 31. It was a fun match. I saw it at 34. It was not a fun match. I saw it in Saudi Arabia. Not a good match. I saw it at SummerSlam. Not a good match. 
I don't need to see this match anymore. Brock versus Roman, I get why they're doing it. I do understand the matchup because of the Paul Heyman thing. But that return just doesn't interest me. The same way that Cena's return just doesn't really interest me like that. Like, I just... It is the same old, same old from the WWE, whereas AEW seems to be giving you new and exciting things. Those are dream matchups. And there are people on the roster who I would like to see Brock Lesnar face, like the Raw heavyweight champion in Lashley. That would be interesting. Lesnar versus Lashley has never been done before. Instead, we get Lesnar versus Reigns 5. I, look, I get SummerSlam's doing big numbers. They're making you know good TV deals, but I'm bored. Like this, I've seen this too many times. I've, I don't want to watch them fight in Saudi Arabia yet again. I don't know if I can ever get tired, though, of watching Brock Lesnar beat up Roman Reigns. I think it might be interesting to see a semi-face Lesnar, semi-face versus a heel Roman. Like, that actually could be fascinating to see because, you know, we might actually see a a different type of match. Um, That's the only thing I'm kind of interested in. Other than that, I mean, yeah, it's kind of same old, same old. No, I, don't, I don't want it to be a match. I don't need it to be for a title. I just want to watch Brock Lesnar beat up Roman Reigns. <laughs> End of sentence. Are, are you th- uh, what was the GameCube game where you got to do that um, for WWE? A Day of Reckoning? Day of Reckoning. Day of Reckoning. Yeah, there you go. You, here's the thing. We've actually seen that match, Aaron, even though it wasn't the intent. It was WrestleMania 31. If you want to watch a match where Brock Lesnar is the very clear face and Roman Reigns is the very clear heel... You watch that reaction. He is beating the crap out of Roman, and we love every moment of it. It are loud, raucous cheers for Brock Lesnar. That is by their first match has by far been their best match with the best ending with the cash in. And yes, if Biggie cashed in, it would be a cool special moment. But I, if you go down that roster, I could name five to six guys off the top of my head. I'd rather see Brock face like Edge. I don't think Brock and Edge actually ever crossed paths to my knowledge. I'd much rather watch Brock versus Edge. Brock versus Big E sounds more interesting to me. I'd watch Brock versus AJ round two. That that first match was fantastic. There are just so many other people I'd rather watch than Brock versus Roman again. And let's be honest, does anyone give Brock a chance to win? And yeah, I made some mistake at 34 where we said, you know, there's no chance that Brock is going to lose or and, and no chance he's going to win and he does. But we know in the end whether he wins a match, the point is to put Roman Reigns over because no. – you have to, you know, keep Roman strong. Yeah, uh, I did want to uh, contrast something, and I don't mean to sit there and just fawn over AEW because there's a lot of like things that they have done or that they even do right now that I'm not a fan of. But one of the things in contrast to what I saw on when I was at the Rampage show, the first two hours were squash matches, essentially. And the thing that I um, I really understood was this. When you had certain talent come out, and obviously they, then there's the local talent. So like Thunder Rosa came out, and the pop she got was surprisingly big. And then you see like, oh, you know, she's 22 and 2. And it's like, wow she's really good. Like there's a reason why that people are, are liking her, that they're building up a superstar. And in contrast, when it comes to WWE, I know that we had just talked about it, but you look at, uh, I'm going to just call her Nikki cross, Nikki Cross's character. Uh, Roger, I think you had posted in our chat, the graphic of how well she's done, you know, this year or in the past, like, you know, little while. And she was like, Oh, and two or something like that in the last like, you know, a couple matches that she had. It was absolutely ridiculous. And so you see that in contrast. And it's like, which one of these people are you building to be a superstar? You know, Thunder Rosa, uh, obviously the Hispanic crowd uh, at the United Center went nuts for her. They, they were like really behind her. And then everyone else was, too, because they knew that she was a bigger deal. And Nikki Cross, while she came out and the little girls are probably excited, maybe the little kids are. Um, 
you're not getting the same type of exposure with that. You're not building the superstars. When you do 50-50 booking, when you have somebody who will, oh, you know what? They have to lose this match because they're going to win at the pay-per-view. Or, hey, they have the money in the bank. We have to make them lose constantly, and then they win the big match. It's like, why do you have to do that? Like, why is that the formula that you're going with? Why not try something a little different here? And so I think in, in, you know, kind of that contrast there, the thing that AEW has done well is that they're building up these people in WWE. They've really only done it with a handful. And obviously Brock Lesnar being one of them and Roman Reigns being, you know, one of the other ones that they don't lose matches, just plain and simple. They just will not lose a match. Um, but everyone else, it's 50-50. You know, one thing I, I've always wondered, because I know that back in the day when, uh, you know, Hogan was around, he would always like, petition him why he should not lose any match um i'm wondering if roman has got to that point or if roman's like yeah i don't i don't need to win every match i just need to be the, the head of the table but um anyway so nxt nxt was a really uh fun pay-per-view uh besides one match uh but one thing that uh i i, I saw the writing on the wall and i just i just have a feeling that walter's time and nxt is uh coming to an end here shortly but uh he did actually lose the, the UK title, which is whew, a big deal. Now, uh, now, if, if now, Doug, I might be wrong, but he's the third champion. Is that right? The third NXT yeah. UK champion. So yeah, cause it was it was first uh, was Tyler Bates was number one, right? Mm-hmm. Then it was Pete Dunn. Yep. Didn't it? Walter take it off Pete Dunn. Yeah, so Walter's third, and then right. I, I thought that was the question. Was was Walter Walter was the third? This is only the fourth person that they've had as a champion. How long of a reign did Walter have? Eight, nine hundred days, something like that. It was pretty crazy. I mean, it was true that seventeen months of that was in that COVID time, but it's a bit inflated, to be fair. It, yeah, right. That's, That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, you also have to look in the fact that that it was a COVID era era run, but even between then, it's still. Uh, what an impressive uh, title run. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I picked Dragonoff was in that aspect of it's it's probably about time that he move on to something else, um, whether that's to come over to NXT and compete on the NXT level. Um, whether Well, whether that happens or not, I don't know. I know at one point Walter even said that he's not leaving the UK. Like he wants to be primarily in the UK. I don't know when his deal is up or or if he is even looking to, to at least do to NXT, uh, kind of like what Pete Dunn has been doing. Um, but we'll, we'll see. It was a great championship run. Uh, I'm very excited for Walter and see what he does next. Um, but it had run its course, and now we can see somebody else try to, uh, I guess, push it even farther. Now, Andy, uh, with NXT kind of maybe winding down a little bit or like obviously changing course, would you want Walter to be at NXT? Would you want to maybe have him come over for special matches for like Raw or SmackDown? You know, I don't know what they're doing with NXT UK. I don't know if that's going to be folded or, or what, but what, what what's the next thing that you would do? I mean, with Walter, if, if he's with WWE, I should say. If he's with WWE, I, I mean, I would not have, I would actually have him still stay in the UK, but I have a feeling that Vince likes him because he's big and he can actually wrestle. Um, not the wrestle part, but the fact that he's big and uh, that he gets pops. But he, I don't think Vince actually understands how pops work um, now. 
Uh, so, and I think that's the that will be the dilemma. But I bet you anything, he'll end up on Raw, and then whenever his deal is done, he's out. So, but I think that's but that's that's not what they should do. They should basically go back there and have him elevate a couple people over there, and then um, kind of go from there. Or, but I'm wondering also if he's really if he, if he said I'm not leaving the UK. I'm wondering if that's really a big deal to him. Or if, or if, uh, and that's why he lost the title. But I also knew that at some point he was going to have to lose it, and why not do it now? I um, I don't think Vince is all that high on Walter for one simple, two simple reasons. A, he's not young. I mean, I believe Walter's in his mid thirties, mm-hmm. um, and he is not a great English promo. Which, truth be told, he, he speaks. I want to say seven different languages or something like that. But his English is is you know not perfect which is ridiculous to fault somebody for only speaking one of his seven languages not perfect but whatever um and yeah he just he doesn't and even though he is a big guy he doesn't fit the mold of what vince wants in big right he wants big muscly ripped you know brock lesnar's bobby lashley's braun Strowman type guys not the samoa joe and walter is a very thick guy but right it's not it's six pack or eight pack of abs you know he's a he's a realistic large human being and I also think there's more value if he's going to stay with WWE, stay in the UK. But I also think him helping the British wrestling scene is more valuable. Like he doesn't want to. I don't think he wants to leave Europe, and I don't blame him. I don't believe he would ever be treated properly over in the WWE anyway. My dream scenario, though, go to NJPW. I want to see him in the G1 Classic. There are so many people he could wrestle. Him versus um, Okada. That could be a fun match. Him versus Osprey, even fun match. I just I think the idea of him being one of those guys who travels, let him cross the forbidden door. I don't need to see him in AEW, but I'm fine with him in a match in AEW versus someone like a Kenny Omega. Or if you know, if we want to give Aaron a heart attack, let him chop Marco Stunt. Just give one of those hits. I'm pretty sure Aaron will have to call a doctor because it'll last more than seven hours. I mean, just honestly, right? Like, <laughs> you, you think about what Walter could do on one and two off appearances. I think it's a great idea, but his time in WWE, in my opinion, has come to run good for Dragunov. I'm super happy for him. You know, he certainly earned that. That match was very good and very brutal. It was the highlight of the weekend, in my opinion, but and Walter's run, despite the COVID era, was still legendary. It was great. He may be the longest reigning champion in the modern era of WWE, and that may never be broken. But I think he's done all he can do. He's reached his ceiling, in my opinion. Uh, Roger, I think that you really hit the nail on the head there. I think uh, him and Marco Stunt would have a seven, eight star classic. You know, it might, it might break the scale. It, it really might. So I think that that's a, a good call on your part. Um, now, Andy, the, the other big thing that happened was we saw another title change, which was uh, Samoa Joe defeating Karrion Cross. Now, who got the worst of this? Did Karrion Cross get the worst of it by losing the title, or did he get the worst of it by being called up to Raw? <laughs> I actually, I want to say, um, I think his new ring gear. Um, yeah. We'll just say that. Amazing. S- Samoa Joe is like, <laughs> sucker. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I can't believe that, but why, what, I mean, like, you know what this is and, and, uh, I'm going to say it right now. There was a tag team at NXT that was over the Ascension over. All right. They brought him up to raw threw shoulder pads on him. Why? Just saying. So in this case, I, they did the same thing with carrying cross. What was the point? 
that makes no sense to have him, you know, have suspenders on his uh, his gear. I don't get that. And it doesn't fit. I mean, like, if it was like, you know, like, uh, look at um, uh, Malachi Black. All right. So his tattoos are done a certain way. If he had a design also with his ring gear, I get it. I don't understand this. But anyways, Samoa Joe did win the NXT title. He's the first three-time champion, and I thought it was a great match. However, RIP, Cross, uh, we will look forward to uh, seeing you in Impact. No, simply put, it was was great seeing Impact because he's not going to do anything in WWE. Uh, When you get to, I mean, just ultimately, you look at his run and everything, going back to even Walter, you know he's not going to make it in the main roster just because of how long did he last in that SummerSlam uh, Survivor Series match? Everybody was excited to see him there. Everybody was cheering for him to be in there, and he got in and was the first one eliminated, I believe. On a Claymore kick. Yeah, I mean, and, and instantly, it's like, wow, this was really, really exciting, hyping, and and he's gone. So, uh, same same thing for Karrion Cross. Welcome, welcome to the roster. We are now going to dress you up like a bad He-Man villain and send you out there and hope that uh, hope that something clicks. You know, you. We'll sell some toys or sell some 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 merch. Maybe maybe we can get some people to buy that mask. I mean, there was nothing um, more that really needs to be said than what Adam Cole said about Cross. Truth be told, that burn, while it was like a quote unquote shoot, could not have been more true for everything about Cross's character. Without Scarlet, without the entrance, without the smoke. Without NXT having a just seemingly unlimited amount of guys to put him over, there is nothing special about Cross. He is just creative player number three. And you put him in a gimp mask with some demolition-looking attire, and you look at this guy and you say, he's not special. And I said this, I think, the last podcast. So if you compare his debut from Malachi Black's, one of them looks special. Malachi Black looks like a guy who I'm like, wow, when he comes out, he is going to kick someone's head off. When Karrion Cross comes out, I'm like, I don't think I want to watch Pulp Fiction again. There's just a fundamental difference between the two of them. Cross, when he goes back to Impact, good for him. I think he could actually help that Brown. And, you know, I don't know how long his deal is for, whether it's two or three years. Um his ceiling is mid card, you know, United States championship, intercontinental championship, but I cannot see that guy competing against Roman Reigns. I can't see that guy competing against Brock Lesnar. I can't see that guy competing against Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, the guys at the top of the card. And also where, where is Scarlett? Like I am blown away that a hot blonde that cannot make it on the main roster. Like that is just like, what is it about Scarlett that Vince does not like? Because she has the two things that he cares about, which is, boobs and blondes so like what what am i missing here yeah i don't quite understand that either that um when he came out on raw the first time i was like where is everything like this isn't the total package you know like he's supposed to come out with his girl and the fog is supposed to be there and like none of that like absolutely none of that was there and so yeah i think i had said in our last show about how i felt like he is the mid boss you know that this is the person your face overcomes to get to the final boss and that's what he should be treated like you know and look if he breaks out then great maybe he does become a final boss or like an upper mid card bar boss but like he should be that mid boss you know so um 
I don't know. I don't quite understand this. This is one where we felt like this is a slam dunk. Roger, you talked about how he's going to lose at uh, the WrestleMania takeover, and then he'll get called up the night after because, like, look, this is a Vince guy. This is a guy that Vince likes. And so we all expected him to do well, get pushed to the moon. And, you know, and when I say to the moon, I mean, like, to the moon. Anyway, um, but, like, you know, I, nothing, absolutely nothing. So I'm I'm shocked at um, – the ineptitude. And like I had said just a little bit ago about the booking styles, I think that this really speaks volumes because right now, Karrion Cross does not feel like a something special. He does not feel like, uh, you know, even QT Marshall on AEW, they're making him feel special. Thunder Rosa feels special. He feels like another guy. And that is not what you want. You want to make him feel like a superstar. And that's not what he feels. In other words, if you want to know how to book things properly, uh, basically, at this moment, I should say, we should, you know, definitely uh, look at AEW. If you want to kind of be, if you want to know what, um, how should I put this, um, chaos is, watch WWE Raw and then SmackDown. And NXT, if you want, like, something in the middle. So, uh, but yeah, so, it, I mean, it's very interesting, uh, basically, everything, especially how we're talking about basically one company and then another company, and it's almost night and day. You think that at some point someone would finally wake up and uh, smell uh, what the rooster was cooking, right? <laughs> Andy, let me ask you uh, before we, um, you know, kind of call it here. Uh, and I'll ask everybody, but I'll ask Andy first. Um, what is something on Raw or SmackDown that you are currently enjoying? And I don't mean like, you know, like look, we all like AJ Styles. We think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, but what is something that's that you're currently seeing on Raw or SmackDown? Somebody that's like on the undercard that you are like, you know what? Like, yeah, the show kind of sucks. It's three hours and it's unnecessary. But you know what? The five minute segment with, you know, this person I really enjoy or I'm really digging. Is there anybody that kind of sticks out to you when I say that? Yes, um, I can tell you, but I but um, I'm going to hate myself because I can see them. I cannot think of the gimmick, uh, but it's it's Montez Ford. And um, uh, thank you. Thank you. Street Profits. All right. I still enjoy watching them. Actually, I think really I like seeing the Street Profits and Bianca because and I know Montez and her are married and stuff. But for some reason, I just like watching them all together and I, I get entertained by that. Um, I I mean, that's pretty. I mean, there's that. Yeah. What about you, Doug? Hmm. Tough question. No simple answer on this one. I'm. I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I've seen Raw live, and I haven't really cared to watch the highlights either. So, I, I'm surprised at Andy's answer. I, I thought for sure his answer was going to be the Miz and okay. Morrison. We don't have to talk Fact. about how the Miz is always on TV, still hurt, and entertaining the crowd. Again, underdog. And then uh, Roger, uh, for you, anything? I mean, that you read, you know, about like. You know what? This looks interesting, or this sounds like this is would be up my alley, sort of thing. So, despite the poor quality of the show, I think Biggie Langston's rise is probably my favorite thing going in WWE right now. Just seeing a guy who has been pretty loyal to the company, he's been always entertaining. Like, you know, New Day is one of my favorite acts of all time. The fact that he is the Money in the Bank briefcase holder and the fact that he might actually become champion. I think would be a cool moment. I like Biggie. I've always liked Biggie. He's a guy that I I think I said it, you know, he is one of the guys who should be pushed to superstardom. He's a positive. And I guess the most sad part is that there are guys who are talented. You know, I like watching this tree profits. I enjoy the Usos when they're not drinking and driving. Um, you know, there are 
AJ Styles is fun. RK Bro has been pretty fun. But it's just, you know, there's five hours of weekly television. Ten guys isn't going to be enough. I used to really enjoy the women's division. Like, that used to be a highlight at one point. And but I think Charlotte's won the title three times now in like the last six months or something like that. I just, you know, I wanted to see, you know, why can't Ray Ripley be pushed out, you know, pushed up the card and stay up there? You know, it's gotten to a point where I'm just like, please leave Shayna Baszler, please leave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it, there's just there's so many better ways that they could be used that it, it almost is like unless you're getting treated like a Seth Rollins, like an AJ Styles, where you feel like a big deal or you're a biggie where it seems like you're tapped for superstardom. I'll even give Baron Corbin credit. And I can't stand that TGI Friday's waiter or waiter. He has been doing a really good gimmick with the whole King Corbin going broke. Fantastic work. This is the kind of character work he should be doing all the time. That's really been enjoyable. It's just, and, you know, Roman Reigns has been enjoyable as the tribal chief. Boy, I just I can't bring myself to watch Raw. It it just is not entertaining. It's not enjoyable. I you know, I enjoy AJ and, and, and Riddle and Orton, but not to watch a full football game's worth of mediocrity. It's just not worth it to me. I agree with you. I think uh one of them the acts that you mentioned the RK Bro, I, I've enjoyed their stuff. I love Riddle backstage because he is he's kind of out of it. And so that odd couple pairing, you know, with him and Randy, I actually kind of I'm curious what Orton thinks about it. Like if, you know, like, you know, to like hear like after be like, oh, dude, you know what? I absolutely love that. That like put me on my comfort zone. And it was hilarious. And Riddle's things that he does, like when he got MVP to break character, when he's like, you know, I don't like he was like, oh, and then like MVP goes, he's like, he just like stops for a second. And it was just absolutely amazing. Like the, oh, like Riddle is great. I, I absolutely love him. Uh, one that's kind of underneath. Um, is I think Mansoor and Ali, Mustafa Ali, I like what they've been doing. I kind of like their, um, you know, kind of small rise that they're doing in, as a tag team. I haven't that, we that, seen the twins tag team kind of be put down a little bit? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's over and over again. We get to see twins as tag teams. I mean, why are, they're not the same person. They're not. Uh, they're different. They're different. Um, but I, I think that's actually interesting. Um, most likely, they're probably building towards something that they'll do really big in the Saudi Arabia show, you know, whatever. But uh, they're actually on TV. And, like, I think that the pairing's really good. So I think those two things. Uh, and then, Roger, as you had mentioned, uh, Baron Corbin also. Um, that's one of the big ones for me. Uh, is Mansoor and Ali, are they faces? They uh, Well, Mansoor is a, a Stone Cold face, and then, um, and not Stone Cold Steve Austin, but a like he is a face, he is a baby face, and then Ali is a was a heel that's kind of a tweener now. So, um, you know, he so was a with Retribution, that. wasn't he? He was, yeah, and they've been feuding with Retribution. It's is Retribution still a thing, kind of, yeah. Wow, so I, I completely is. forgot about them, I thought they were all gone. Uh, but uh, that that's yeah, I was just kind of curious what your guys' thoughts were, if there was anything on WWE that was kind of worthwhile. So, you know, what's going to happen that they're going to win the tag titles at Crown Jewel. You know that, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So whatever, whoever they who face, the, I just want to pick them now. I don't care who, who it are is. the raw tag champions. It's RK bro now. Oh, face versus face. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at Authormark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast, and I want to thank all of our listeners for taking time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Caven, Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes, and until next time, we'll see you in the room.